sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see my chains. <laughs> I think that was your your best song yet. That was the highest quality song you've sung yet. It's <laughs> good. I got my stomach voice into it. Your stomach voice? Yeah. That sounds like like when your stomach crumbles. Not my chest voice. Oh. Got my stomach voice. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Millennial Marriage. I don't know why we do this intro. It just sort of started happening. Where my wife sings things that are on her mind that she feels like singing. Mm-hmm. It describes our marriage perfectly. <laughs> it is hard to keep doing these podcasts, man. I'm sure people are thinking, you don't even have ten podcasts up. What's the problem? Bro, it's hard. I know we've been doing this since January, and it's almost June. <laughs> we have ten podcasts. It's well, that's at least like more than once a month we're getting average. I know. We probably shouldn't be too hard on ourselves, but... We just were talking about grace. I know, right? It's challenging to just sit down and do it, you know. You'd think that you could just turn on the microphones and start talking, but that doesn't that doesn't usually go well. So we have to plan them out and of all the other like real problems in our life, feels like recording a podcast is so low down on the priority list. And it takes more energy than you'd think. Right. All right, now that I'm done complaining about this thing <laughs> I'm doing for free with total freedom in my own house uh let's talk we can about... literally talk about whatever we want and I... it's broadcasted to the whole world so that's pretty cool it's true it's amazing um or maybe it will be someday today we're talking about communication last week we talked about money and it was sort of a bland conversation because it's just super practical and uh that's just not that exciting to talk about but, uh, but super helpful super helpful should be hopefully we don't get feedback, so we have no idea if we're helpful for you or not. <laughs> okay. But I did mention that... Do I hear a hint of sarcasm? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, I did mention that the two biggest causes for divorce was uh, communication and money. And so um, I want to talk about communicating about money, but that's super specific. And I feel like we, we, we covered that a little bit mm-hmm. last week. And so uh, it just made sense that I want to talk about communication now and... Um, you know, when we saw a marriage therapist, what's her job? What's her title? Counselor? Who? Melissa. Oh, she's just a licensed psychologist or whatever. Yeah, whatever. That person you pay a lot of money for a one-hour conversation. Um, when we went and saw her, she kind of basically helped us see that a lot of the issues we had had revolved around just communication difficulties and that we, you know, I I thought that these fights we're having were insurmountable and just such a big issue. And so much of it was just (sighs) communicating about expectations and Mm -hmm. how we actually feel about things. Um, which is funny because I feel like Sydney and I are some of the most open and honest and free communicators, you know, usually in the room. Right. I can't imagine. If someone else is struggling, gee, you mean like every, everybody? You mean everybody else we know? With honesty, 
Yeah, just being forthcoming. I'm not saying everyone else is a liar, but I, I think for most people are not nearly as forthcoming about how they feel as we are. Yeah, I guess so. So, uh, you know, even we needed that. And I would say that's something that we have as a strength in our marriage. We still needed to talk to a professional and have some mediation to just help us get through it. And so, um, yeah, we just feel like communication is a huge issue. And it's really, I don't want to say it's the foundation of what the rest of the problems become. I don't know that I can really say that. That might be too broad of a statement. But, man, I would say it's communication problems are the root of so many other problems in marriage. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I mentioned before we started recording that I think that it's mostly, mostly a problem of communicating expectations. And, uh, what I learned early on in marriage was that, you know, people always tell you, you know, lower your expectations, change your expectations, communicate your expectations before marriage. And I honestly, I couldn't do it. We thought we kind of did. Yeah, we definitely tried to. But, you know, the truth is, man, you really don't know what your expectations are until they go unmet. I really believe that. That was what I experienced. Nobody gave me that advice. That's just kind of the conclusion I came to, that you really don't know what your expectations are until they go unmet in your marriage or, you know, whatever other situation you're in. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, you know, if communication is something that you're that you're working on as a couple, then you need to give yourselves and each other grace to be able to work on it. Um, knowing that it's, it's hard, it's hard to communicate what you're expecting when you don't know exactly what you're expecting because you've internalized it and it's subconscious and you ever, never thought to mention it. And, um, look no further than the example of dishes in the dishwasher. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. That's the thing. Or frequency of sex. There's always seems to be a disagreement on that. And so, um, anyway, we're not going to talk about specific, specific miscommunications necessarily in this podcast. I just was talking to Sydney. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, I was talking to Sydney before and she was just praying and a verse came to her and I said she should read the verse uh, on the podcast and then we will dig into it. So, Cindy, Cindy Luhu. Cindy. Cindy. I have a cat now, so... This is true. You guys might get some purring action. I can't hear it in my headphones. So, the verse that came to my mind was from 1 Peter 3, and I feel like verses 3 through 7 could probably get us in a lot of hot water, and we should probably (laughs) discuss... At some point... We should start with that, then. <laughs> those verses. But that's more... Different actions. Uh, and... In verse 8, he sums up... What he's trying to communicate. And I think it's probably better to start with this... As the as the message behind it... Versus, versus just going into the... Verses above it right away. We're definitely going to talk about the submit thing... On one of these episodes. Yeah. To sum up, so in verse 8, he says, To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 
so <clears throat> the reason that that verse came to my mind originally it was for verse 7 above it that tells husbands to live with their wives in a understanding way mm -hmm. and and I think the la the problems in communication arise from just our differences and we assume too much of each other that we think similarly and we just don't and then it's disappointed like how did you not understand that that's what I wanted how did you not you know for me for his frustration with me it's like how did you not understand that we needed to be there at five o'clock and not five ten like and that it was going to take you 30 minutes to do this how do you not understand whatever and My anxiety is elevated <laughs> as you say this and just all these instances where we think and act so differently from one another that it can just be tricky to get on the same page because it's normal thoughts to you so you don't think to communicate it to your spouse because it's just so you're like everyone knows that everyone thinks like that. you just are like how could they not know that why would I have to say that and then it blows up and you're like oh I guess I have to say that and then you forget the next time that <laughs> happens. Over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, I think the male-female gap exacerbates that quite a bit. Um, yeah, just male-female, but also just personalities. I mean, I think that can happen. That happens in my workplace all the time. Like, people think that they communicated something and they didn't. Someone runs with something and it's totally not the right vision or not the right thing. And they're running on what they thought was the right thing and it was you know so it's just no one can ever over communicate pretty much yeah most people's problem is not over communication um i mean even even people i know who who repeat themselves too much you know they they can still miss it sometimes yeah um i want to touch on 7 it says husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. <clears throat> that so nothing can hinder your prayers thing. That got real. That got very real for me in our first year of marriage, probably our first six months. And um, this whole live with your wives in an understanding way, it was really challenging for me because I need to see my wife as an equal and I need to treat her as an equal and see her as intellectually equal and you know of the same dignity value and worth but then it says you know when you read that that verse it almost seems like yeah but you gotta talk to her like she's a child and that messed with me because I would get frustrated with her and then I remember the verse and you know I would want to come at her very strongly like I would with a man and I can't, and, you know, at, at first trying to learn how to walk this out felt like, it felt patronizing, and then it would put me in one of two different places, one where I'd be so flustered because I feel like I'm married to somebody who's somebody somehow inferior, which I guess in some ways is true on a strength level, but I felt like it was inferior in every level, you know, I wanted to just kind of have an equal equalness across the board and that's not exactly how that works or you know two i'd get frustrated or i would just be 
cynical and kind of looked down my nose at her that I felt like I couldn't just say the truth like I wanted to with her. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard to let that mature and grow into a place to where it was a recognition that it's not about who's stronger or who's weaker. It's not about who's better and who's worse or who's more or less mature. It's learning to play a new instrument. That's really what it is. It sounds manipulative, but that's not how I mean it. It's learning to play a new instrument, learning to speak a new type of language. And it is work, but it's more about... I'm speaking to men here. It's more about fine-tuning the way that you approach your wife if you don't already have that skill um, than it is about dumbing it down or having to be too soft or having to be unreasonable or whatever. It's, it's, it's really just learning to speak a different language. And so, uh, but that was challenging for me because I had the selfishness of wanting to kind of just handle everything with verbal brutality. And that was super duper not working in our marriage Mm -hmm. and it would backfire very hard. And of course it's early in marriage. So you don't really know the person very well that you're sharing a, a home with and a bed with. And, uh, that gave her much more reason to second guess her decision to marry me. Right. Um, not having had, you know, years and years and years of deposits in the bank of knowing that I'm trustworthy and that she knows she can know my heart past, you know, maybe the offensive thing that I'm saying. Um, and the hindering of the prayers, I legitimately experienced that where I would go to pray to God and I'd be in a fight with my wife and I'd be frustrated and I want to go to God and and I would get this sort of sense from the Lord that say, ah, da, 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 hold it right there, bud. We're not, we're not talking about anything until you handle this situation with your wife. And luckily I can say we haven't had any kind of a beef like that where we're just standoff, like kind of standoff with each other. I don't even mean like going to bed angry. I mean, you could be going to bed frustrated with your wife, but we, I mean, we would have straight up standoffs where I would just walk out of the room and not talk to her. And just come back, you know, late and just not even have a conversation with her because I don't just blow things off. I mean, if there's a problem, you're going to feel it the whole time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to talk about it, well, I'm not going to let you ignore it. And so I I would get to a place where I would try to just go talk to God and say, no, I'm not talking to this woman right now. I'm too angry. She's, She's offended me too much. I'm too frustrated. And the Lord said, we've got nothing to talk about until you work this out with your wife. And it was so frustrating, but... It was good because it pressed me to immediately go back to my wife and to re-engage the topic, you know, even though I thought that she wasn't going to respond, but it forced me to, to kind of keep keep working at it. And so, you know, this, this verse rang very true for us, and it was good for me to be reminded of this by the Spirit while I was praying. Um, <sighs> yes, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, humble. Yep, 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 all good, nice. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Man, this is so freaking simple. This is so basic. This is so <laughs> like teaching a six-year-old. But holy crap, is this just just such a huge thing. And I watch couples do it. And the escalation will happen so rapidly. And I just can't understand. Like, I cannot overstate the amount of damage you do in a marriage or any relationship, when you repay evil for evil, when you retaliate, when you say back, oh yeah, well you're blank. Mm-hmm. And, and gosh, it's so easy it's so when you're coming easy. from that place of just hurt and you want to fight back. Like that's the inclination is you just want to fight back. 
I, f- I feel like this was more a problem for you than it was for me because I used to debate for recreationally a long time ago. And I feel like I figured this out early on not to do that. Yeah, I not mean... Not saying I was always fair. When I, I feel like when we do have arguments or fights, like you have a very kind of debate... I don't know what the word is, but like debate attitude, debative attitude, I don't know. But the... Like, you come to it from that kind of standpoint as a debater or making a logical argument kind of thing. And this is why I said the garage. Sorry. Keep talking. (laughs) And I just... I feel like a lot of times... I feel like you're getting better now, but early on I could feel very defeated very easily in an argument because and just want to give up and not talk anymore because you're pretty bad at debating not gonna lie because it just seemed like you had a response for everything and then it wasn't like i do it wasn't like you were willing to take ownership in the moment i mean later you would probably and apologize or take ownership or something like that once you were out of the heat of the argument but in the argument, it's, like, so hard because it just makes you feel like crap because you're like, okay, he has an answer for everything, and I'm just going to shut up now, and that's not healthy either. Yeah, you're a terrible person to debate because you would just give up. I'm like, it was just getting good, and then you give up. And, then... and I'm like, it isn't a debate. <laughs> like, we're trying to have a conversation. I'm trying to... I approached it that debate was the healthiest tool to just solving no. solving the conflict. And obviously that was not correct. No. So, I think the... You know, you kind of brushed over, like, sympathetic, kind-hearted, like... But... <laughs> you have would, to... It's no surprise that I would brush over Brotherly that. love, like, you need to think like that. Really? Come on, babe. Just keep talking, babe. It's fine. You talk, I'll move her. We're not doing this again with the cats. This is a really great recording. Super professional, the way we're staying focused on the topic here. Whatever, we're real people, and they're real people. We don't have a private studio, we're in our freaking house. Oh no, you're hurting her. No, no. Oh no. This is what it is. Oh no, she's fine. So, I'm going to keep going. seconds of you talking about me finding the cat. Real life. Real life. So, anyways, now I can say whatever I want because Mike's not even here. (laughs) Uh, I just think that it's important to remember those words of sympathetic and kind-hearted and having feelings of brotherly love because... You are a couple, you're a unit, God has brought you together for a reason, uh, to be joined and, and of one body and one flesh and one mind and one heart. And if you're going on your own ways and you're not communicating with one another, you can start to live two separate lives very easily. Mm. And, and quote, fall out of love or grow apart. Yeah. And 
get into these sticky situations where you're looking at each other and going, I don't even know you or like, why are we together? What is happening? And I think probably you've said it before, like you have to keep dating your wife, Mm -hmm. even though the chase part is over. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of men probably forget that and they just think, oh, this is fine and whatever. And then all of a sudden your wife is talking to her male colleague at work and divulging information and communicating more with him than she is with you. And that becomes her confidant and then an affair leads after that. (laughs) It's a good thing that your male colleague is so incredibly uninterested in hearing about the problems in your life. So I don't have to worry about that. Who, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I no. can just I can just picture the rolling of his eyes in my mind and him just glazing over thinking, when is she going to be done talking? <laughs> I would just never talk to him about any of that anyways. I know, but I'm just saying, like, there, if that were a risk in our marriage, right. it's the one guy you work with is super duper not going to happen. <laughs> right. So, but it's important to keep that communication, those lines of communication open and to remember that your spouse is this person that is uh, joining you in an inheritance of the kingdom and, and helping you're supposed to be helping each other lead better lives and look more like Christ. And so you got to look like Christ to each other. And I think it's through being all of those qualities and not repaying evil for evil and insulting and just walking away or shutting down uh, all these ways that communication can get, disrupted yeah i mean a lot of this kind of reminds me of just proverbs and there's so much basic knowledge about how to just be how to just act right like i don't i don't know how else to say it. it's just simply acting right and a lot of this is the simple daily moral choices i mean you know we talk so much about grace and the empowerment of the holy spirit and you know living this new life that you know maybe sometimes i don't stress enough the the daily disciplines of just checking yourself and sharpening, sharpening yourself as uh, a more moral person. And, um, you know, I have to be careful about the whole deceitful speech because I consider myself a non-liar, a person who tells the truth mm-hmm. and because I don't care who it offends and I don't care if I look bad because I, I, I don't care what people think. I know that sounds very, uh, that's a very cliche thing to say, but it's to a major fault that I don't care what people think. So it's unfortunately a reality, but, um, you care what I think. That's it though. That's pretty much it. You're the, you're the, the list is just you. Uh, anyway, um, I'm willing to be the punchline of a joke and I'm willing to, to look, look like the guy who made the wrong choice. That's what I'm saying. But anyways, I still have to watch myself from not using deceitful speech because I, you know, I caught myself at work because I want to, you know, I care and I want to get out of the the risk of having a consequence at work. Say, you know, I told somebody this project's going to be done in this time and it's taking too long. I find myself, I found the, I find these excuses welling up within me that are maybe half true, three quarters true, 20% true, but they all cut in the direction of favoring me. And, um, mm-hmm. I find myself wanting to articulate those very clearly or let's say I'm running late for a project and it's not actually my fault, but it's still my responsibility. So, you know, I am on the hook while I will find myself wanting to defend, defend, defend. 
and that is very can very easily lead to something that is technically not totally accurate and is a bit deceitful and you know stretching the truth or making an argument that cuts in your direction still often can count as a lie or be deceitful speech mm-hmm. um but you have to be more you have to work harder to try to see the the dishonesty in it especially if you know your pride is wrapped up in being seen as you know a good employee or in this case of course in marriage is being right in the argument but it's interesting we were just listening to um I'm sorry, we were watching this show about Ted Bundy. It was very, very interesting. And I, and I now understand why people love watching these murder shows and so much because studying the psychology of Ted Bundy is so fascinating. And I was saying to Sydney, you know what? I know, I know a, a guy who's just like this. He talks just like this. He's definitely not a murderer, but the way that he, the way that Ted Bundy gets himself off the hook for everything and sort of spins these scenarios or these ideas that make him seem like a great guy. And, and it's like this constant prop- propagandizing of, of trying to get everyone in the room to think that he's this really great guy who's this really honest person, who's really honorable. And, and you know, obviously none of you are Ted Bundy. I really hope none of you are Ted Bundy. I guess I can't know for sure. I guess it's totally Not possible. obvious, apparently, Not by obvious. the documentary. Not obvious. <laughs> but what I'm trying to... What I want to discern is what are the speech patterns and the thought patterns that this person exudes that obviously led to, you know, the most heinous acts a human being can commit because for most... I don't think they led to it. No, 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 no. But listen, but listen, it created an environment where his mind could go down these dark roads without having any form of repentance or guilt or uh, self-ownership or anything down a very much further extreme. And it's like, I see, you know, let's say Ted Bundy's a 10 out of 10 on lack of self, lack of responsibility, lack of self-ownership, lack of empathy, um, pride, narcissism, whatever, right? Let's say mm-hmm. he's 10 out of 10. Well, I see a 1 out of 10 on people all the time saying literally exactly the same types of things, forming the exact same types of arguments um, and what, oh, it, yeah, it's easy. and what I say, and it, yeah, but it should scare us because, you know, it's always a slippery slope. And while I, I don't believe that most of us are ever going to fall for the temptation of murdering 30 people, uh, we we can slide further into the, into the place of evil and it could make us a worse person. And, uh, it yeah, just, there's always little baby steps. Like you want to make yourself look the best as possible. So you say like little things. I mean, I'm the worst liar ever, so I I can't really get away with it. But occasionally, I I used to do stuff like that, like when I was a. Lie to me, and she just can't do it. I used to do stuff like that when I was a kid, and it would be so outlandish. Like, I found twenty dollars in my house. Like, obviously, it's somebody. (laughs) (laughs) It's my mom's, or it's my dad's, or it's my sister's, whatever. My mom and my sister was like that's my money. And I was like, no, it's mine. And my mom's like, oh, really? How did you get it? And I'm like, my teacher gave it to me for good grades. <laughs> my teacher gave me 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, that's the best teacher ever. Here, kid. I'm, I'm, I'm dripping with cash because I have a yeah. teacher in a public school system. Here's 20 bucks. Good job. And my mom's like, oh, really? Your teacher gave it to you? Yeah. My face is turning all red. Like, yeah. So... 
it's even from a very young age, you you have that pattern of you want to defend yourself, you want to make yourself look good and right, yeah. and you can make up, you can, I think in Ted Bunny's case, you repeat that story so much in your head, it becomes truth. And I think in, in the case of most people who would never go to that extreme, where he literally... I mean, he literally fabricated a complete alternate reality that he was trying to live out of. But I think for most people, it's not, I definitely committed the sin and now I'm going to act like it never happened and I wasn't ever there and it wasn't me. Right. I think for most people, it's, hey man, that was a little rude. That was a little selfish. That was a little inconsiderate. And you being the, we'll say, defendant against the accusation uh will say no well you know i only did it because of this it was circumstantial i i you misunderstood or you don't know my intentions and, and trying to reread a different intent back into the thing rather than mm-hmm. saying you know what maybe i'm a sinner huh maybe maybe jesus also needed to die for me maybe i really did or you know maybe maybe he really did have to earn that salvation of mine for me on the cross you right. Know, maybe it. Maybe it's legitimate. Like maybe I'm not the greatest person ever. Maybe the Bible's true, and I am, because this is what kills me. I'm gonna go off on a rant here. I'm gonna try to keep it simple. But <laughs> remember here, communication. Yeah, I'll come back. I'm just going on a little trip here. This kills me. This freaking kills me, and this makes me want to scream and pull my hair out. Don't do that. Everybody, I know it's. Oh, I don't need any help with that. <laughs> Everybody says, "Hey, come on, nobody's perfect," or they'll, or a politician will say. Listen, I know I'm not perfect, but the problem is anytime you point out an example of an imperfection within that person's soul or an action that demonstrates imperfection, we'll say sin, selfishness, greed, lust, Mm -hmm. envy, wrath, fill in the blank, they defend, 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 defend. And so you can come at them with seven different things. Well, no, it's not actually the situation. Well, you you know, you, you said this thing first. Or that's not really what I meant, or you're overreacting, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and if and basically what you're saying is, I actually do believe I'm perfect. I actually am perfect. I may say nobody's perfect because I know technically I can't say that, but really deep down, actually, I do believe I'm perfect. Because if you really believe you're imperfect, then it's only a matter of time before your imperfections come out, and we see them. And right. you should actually be cognitively be looking for them to identify them, because you just said they're in there, and that means that inevitably they're going to show themselves at some point, so you should have the attitude to recognize, I am imperfect, imperfect. I'm going to do and say imperfect things, and if you find yourself, now, here's how. I, here's why I bring it back around to being relevant to this podcast, and I'm thinking of specific couples whose names I will not mention, but I, say, I see the man snapping and yelling at, at the woman, and being very rude and harsh and, and even some sometimes physically violent. And I see the woman just grabbing a handful of throttle and just throwing these absolute top shelf insults at the guy, cutting him down, insulting him, humiliating him, degrading him, belittling him in response to it. And so in the guy's mind, this woman is nagging me to the point where I can't even handle I just worked this long, hard day, and she's nagging me to death. And like, why would she wait till now? I'm just going to lose my temper. It's not my fault. I'm only a man. I can't control myself to that level. She's going to come after me, and she's nagging me constantly. I blew my lid. And then in her mind, well, this guy's out of control. He can't control himself. He's, he's violent. He's crazy, whatever. So I'm justified in having this strong emotional reaction. I can't be mm-hmm. held accountable for the words coming out of my mouth because I was emotional. 
And so what you see is this cycle of both people giving excuses for why their bad behavior or bad response to the other person is justified. And the right answer is, if you really believe in Christ and you really believe what you're what the Bible says and how you're called to be a Christian, how you're called to act, and even what this verse says of what you should, ought to do and ought not to do, um, to turn from evil and to do good, it's irrelevant what that other person does to you or says to you. Your spouse can't say or do enough to you to justify your crappy response. All now, right. get it? It's going to happen. It happens with us. It's probably going to happen again at some point. <laughs> Hopefully not too soon. But we do stuff to get the worst out of each other. But we both recognize that when we bring out that worst... Man, your feet are cold. Don't touch my feet. Know. Stop. When we bring out that worst, it's never okay. It's never justified. And it doesn't matter what the other person does. It's a great explanation as to why it happened. But that is absolutely not a justification. Please understand the difference, people. Um, yeah, I think that probably a lot more couples than we realize have that, that more heated conflict. I think that's probably my biggest problem is mm-hmm. thinking that I'm better than I am because I probably even though Mike is really good at argu- argument arguments and debates you know and fighting back typically he's probably the first in the room to be able to list out you know all of his shortcomings or the things that Cause that kind of stuff he thinks about all the time, probably to an unhealthy degree. <laughs> but whereas I pretty much am never really, well, I think about my shortcomings in, in performance wise. Like if I feel like I'm not performing enough, but everything else in, in your brain is cotton work candy. or, uh, work or the house or our relationship, whatever. If I'm not feeling like I'm working enough, then I get critical of myself. But, as far as the decisions that I make and the thoughts that I have and and those kind of things, I think pretty highly of myself, I would say. And I and I have been thinking about that today hmm. because, and it kind of goes into another path of communication, is your communication with God and how much are you praying and how much are you communicating with the Lord before... You're communicating with your spouse, and realistically, I don't really pray that much, and I was kind of convicted this week at church because the sermon was about that, and just prayer, and how often are you praying, and... and really? Yeah, you don't listen to the sermon. I know. I didn't catch a word of it. <laughs> so, I just feel like that's a serious thing. If you're not praying regularly then you must feel dependent on yourself and very much that you don't necessarily need God or necessarily need other people. And that's where my controlling like aspect comes from, where I want to control you know, everything in the house and I want to control my work and I want to control other people at work or Mike or whoever to do the things that I want to achieve. And it's just not cool. Like, I have to, (laughs) like, you have to look in the mirror, and as Mike is talking, I'm able to, that's one thing that I am able to do, is to look in the mirror and and be able to at least sit here and admit to you today, like, yeah, I'm not perfect, because I definitely see that this is a struggle for me to truly believe that I 
need God and I need to be talking to him and I need to have that as my lifeline and not to depend on myself because I can get a lot of stuff done on my own power. And so communicating with the Lord, I think, needs to come first before you can even attempt to have good communication with your spouse because I try my hardest all day, every day, in my own ability a lot of times to do the right thing in our relationship and it still can blow up and that's because if you're running on fumes you're not being filled up with the spirit or the word every day like you're not gonna be successful at communicating with your spouse because you just don't have it in you and your natural inclination to be selfish and self-serving is gonna come out eventually that's a good point i didn't think about um my ability to be patient with you and to look past these sins that otherwise so aggravate me that I just cannot bear to let them go. But my, my ability to let, to, to look past those things has a lot to do with how much time I've spent with God and how much love and compassion I have felt from him. And the more love and compassion I feel like I have received from God uh, and the more he, I, I see how interested he is in me and the more I'm reminded of that, the happier of a person I am, the much more gracious of a person I am. And it just allows me to sidestep all of those things that are just defending me so much that I feel like are absolutely unacceptable behaviors mm-hmm. from my wife. And I can I can set all of that anger down and not react to that. Because if I react to that, then we're never going to get to the heart of the issue and she's never going to hear my love. I'm going to I'm gonna make her trip over every, every, every sin and every mistake. Mm-hmm. It's like, like a dog, you know, shoving their nose in, you know, poop on the floor. You know, it's like what I want to do with every single thing that hurts me. When I spend time with the Lord, it gives me the kind of grace to say, yeah, I don't have to react to that right now. I can let that go. Maybe we'll talk about it later. Maybe we won't. But I could get to the heart of the thing that allows me to say, okay, babe, I love you. I don't like this fight. How do I say I'm sorry? How do I make you feel better? Mm-hmm. How do I make you feel loved right now? And how do we deal with this? And usually that causes her to melt and then it all works out. But... Yeah, and I think just apologizing. Talking to God first. Yeah, talking to God first and then asking him to convict you if you are wrong or if something does need to be apologized for, then you being the first one in the relationship to step up and do something about it and apologize means so much to that other person. To Like, I know when I either... Just me coming to Mike and being able to reiterate a point that he's trying to make means so much because he wants to know that I'm really listening and that I really hear what he has to say. And then to not just reiterate his point, but then to go even further and be able to apologize for, you know, a misstep or saying something offensive, being disrespectful not asking in a kind way mm-hmm. for a request or getting short with him or whatever it is. So I think showing your spouse that you can be the one that can come and apologize and also you can re- reiterate or recap what your spouse said or the point that is hurting them and be able to Make sure that you're letting them know, I hear that you're hurt, and I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to tell you 
what I heard to make sure that I'm hearing it right. Mm -hmm. That, I feel like, goes a long way, right? Yes, that is huge. Um, That's super huge. Did you want to talk about what the male needs, what the female needs? Like I mentioned earlier on the couch. Okay, so I'm going to recap it real quick. And you what, can... the love and respect? Kind of, yeah. No. Oh. I'll just say it. Okay, so my opinion is that, and I'll just, this is, of course, I'm just going to say specific to our marriage, not necessarily for all marriages, but you can decide for yourself if this is, this is a make or break thing for you guys. But, um, you know, for me, receiving, loving, kind, respectful, honoring communication from my wife just makes me the happiest person in the world. And when I come home to my wife being gracious and kind and happy to see me and being gentle and warm, uh, it's like there's there's nothing I won't do for her. There's nothing I will not do for her. Um, and, and so much of that, it's it sounds... Too, too simple to just say, just be nice. But I'm almost having a hard time summarizing it better than that because men men want to be wanted, not exactly in the way that women do, but when men want the, the woman they're in love with to look at them with adoration. And when I sense that my wife adores me, it fills my soul in ways that cannot be described, that literally nothing else in this world can. And when I sense that adoration and whether sometimes she doesn't have to say a word, it's just a gesture or a favor that she does for me that she totally didn't have to do, but she knows is so nice for me to, to just feel so adored. You know, she says, are you hungry? And I say, yes. And then 10 minutes later, she's bringing food from the kitchen on a plate, all perfectly prepared for me the way I want it, with the condiments that I want. It's like that kind of, not just like, okay, cool, get some food yourself. That kind of going above and beyond service. I know this isn't communication, but it's an example. That kind of above and beyond service means so much to me that she loves me so much that she wants to serve me to make sure I have a good time, you know. Um, and the communi- It communicates a message in a different way. Yeah. Through action. Yeah, and man, we didn't even touch on that, how much how much unspoken communication there is. Right. And I think that, you know, the thing that causes me to get set off by Sydney so much is a tone. And there can be such a, a, t- a simple tone difference in how she approaches me, whether it's with hostility, you know, an, an accusatory tone, a suspicious tone, no, or whatever. there's a certain way I say bid. Yeah. And he's like, what's coming? Yeah. And she's so easy to read because she's such a bad liar. And, <laughs> you know, when she comes at me with a tone... It's of, probably a good thing. Uh, in the long run, yeah. Uh, when she comes at me with that tone of, of hostility or when I sense her anxiety or her worry or her doubt or whatever, it just puts me like, oh, God, what's she going to say? Versus a tone of adoration when I feel adored by my wife is just, it, it, it couldn't be more night and day. And, I, and I, the thing I said, and you can speak to this more, is on the man's side, I find that for her, I should say on the female side, I find that for her communicating specifics about what the plan is especially if you know we're we're trying out a new budget thing it's not really that new anymore but we are we are tweaking it as we go sometimes changes come up and when i could communicate to her in advance this is what the budget looks like for the week this is what we're doing this is what you can count on this is what the expectation is here's your cash whatever it gives her such a sense of security and peace that doesn't trigger those negative communication styles later on and um, it seems like for her communicating the things 
that give her peace and security allow her the freedom to kind of let her hair down and have peace about the situation. And because I keep everything in my head, I do math in my head, I keep my schedule in my head, I don't set a timer for most things, I leave I leave on time, I finish on time, I start on time, because I just keep it all in my head. It's very hard for me to remember to bring that stuff out of my head, because it all seems so obvious to me. But when I do that, it seems like it gives her peace. And so that's sort of a little bit of a different, a different aspect of talking about communication, but I think it's been interesting to learn since we've been married. What do you think? I think I'm ready for bed. Me too. Communication over. <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say before we go? Do you want to just read that verse one more time in your verse voice? In my verse voice? Mm-hmm. I'll have to quit doing this Facebook Live then. Okay, bye, Facebook. Bye, Facebook. Finish. Ending live video. You want me to start from seven? Start from eight. Slowest phone ever. Here we go. <laughs> Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and the ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Love the Lord. Love each other. Leave us a review. And make sure it's not evil. Thanks for listening. We love you.